Welcome back to the Cherish and Scripture podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Hudson. We are here with our pastor, Brad Bailey, and Zachary Taylor. And today we're going to be covering some sort of common issues that we're facing in our society today. But real quick, we're going to kind of give an update with what is going on in our church. As of uh, November the 29th, Sunday here, we're going through a little spell right now with health issues and things of that nature. We've got a few that are under the weather with covering from surgeries. We have some good news from our deacons and our uh, men of the ministry who've gone through kidney a successful kidney transplant and we've seen God answer prayer four for kidneys a total of, yes total of four kidneys total of four kidneys in his body I have never seen that in my life nor have I that's that's, that's that's unique how the body can kind of integrate that and splice it in and uh, adopt those extra organs the body's amazing thing and it kind of and adapting to this virus we're coming toward we are hoping for a full sweep and what they call a herd immunity to get over this thing we want to get over this thing and of course if a vaccination has become available and it is safe let me qualify that if it is safe that may be become an option but we want to see people get over this thing and become successfully immune to it those in the church that we've been praying for lately have come home from that situation we've seen answered prayer there also we've seen those that have uh, gone through at one spell are going through the ringer again so they're back in quarantine so we've seen people being tested and tried, and uh, especially their, their patients. Being at home, being under lockdown has become a very tedious and very, very confronting thing when it comes to patients. Having patients with this thing is very stressful. So, uh, you know, our church has really been blessed. We haven't had a whole lot of COVID cases until recently, and all of a sudden we've got six or seven. Uh, but there was a church I was in up in Atlanta. They had 70 cases in wow. one month, 70 confirmed cases. Or I say confirmed. I mean, they had n- numerous people that were tested and then other people that uh, just got sick afterwards. So they assumed it was COVID. You know, there's a there's a growing number of people out there right now that are like me. Uh, I'm convinced I've had it. Uh, I did not get tested. I just uh, was very cautious and, and, you know, my wife tested positive and so we had the quarantining and all that kind of stuff. I'm convinced that I have already had it and, and have survived it, thank the Lord. So there's there's a lot of speculation still out there, a lot of controversy about whether a person should test or, or ignore the test or whatever. And uh, I don't have the answer to all of that. I just know that, uh, you know, we're living in some very uncertain times and the government invasion that we've seen, the newest government invasion that we've seen is this whole deal about them telling people, you know, you can only have up to 10 people at Thanksgiving, you know, in the state of California, which I find to be just absolutely insane, you know, for them to be able to invade in the private property issues and family gatherings of that nature. So not a big fan of that. I'll be honest with you. This is a uh, very trying time. Yes, yes, it is. But I will say, um, though, everything seems to have been, I mean, this whole year has been crazy. Uh, When I stop and think about how insane, you know, the funniest thing is, and I've seen a lot of people say it, man, you know, every church had like 2020 vision and all this stuff. We were expecting a great year in 2020 yep. and 2020 is like, got another plan for you yep. guys. It has been crazy. So it has been completely opposite, I think, of what anyone would have predicted. Uh, but one thing I will say is I'm amazed how much God has blessed our church uh, and not just blessed our church, but he's also allowed our church to be a blessing to missionaries. Uh, how many missionaries have we brought on just this year? I don't remember. Uh, I know at least six that we have that we've hosted and supported this year we still have when we start the month of december we still have at least two more that are going to be visiting with us in the month of december unless they come in 
and just lay an egg, we'll probably be taking them on too. Then I have a third missionary that I'm in discussions with right now about coming. He may make it before the beginning of the year, but if not, he'll be our first one in January. He's already given me some. So we're talking by a year from when COVID happened, we could have possibly taken on 10 missionaries in that time. I think that's possibly. realistic. Yeah. And I, you know, and that for us is a, is an accomplishment, but uh, I don't know of another church that has focused on it that way. I'm not sure that I know of another church that has done that. I'm sure there is, but I don't know of, of a church that has. And, and I was actually sitting a couple of weeks ago at the table with a couple of missionaries up in the Atlanta area, Alpharetta, Georgia. And um, while I was there with them, just sharing, you know, our calendar and saying, look, you know, we have these openings. We'd love for you guys to come, which is astonishing to a missionary, you know, that a pastor is inviting them. Normally they're having to, you know, Call suggest an, an invitation or try to get a booking and so on and so forth. But we're reaching out to missionaries. One of the reasons why is just because I want God's protection on our ministry through this current COVID crisis. And I think that one of the ways that God views a sacrificial church is he blesses that ministry when they give sacrificially. And that's what we've been trying to do. And so uh, he has blessed it. We're excited about what's happening here in missions. Our church is doing well. We're not 100% capacity. Um, you know, with uh, we still have some some timid people that are afraid to come. I'm sure like every other church, but our church is, is doing good. Yeah. Is doing really good. So we're missing a couple of guys today. Jeremy and Nathan are both out and not able to podcast with us, but uh, we have some good subject matter and uh, we're going to take a break from Galatians, right, Brother Jesse? And uh, we're going to go into some good subjects. We're going to be in Matthew and kind of jump around with a few things here of balancing particular social subjects. The question I've proposed, we can kind of tackle today, can we be committed to Jesus and have as brothers and sisters, or at least as citizens or neighbors, have opposing sides of the spectrum when it comes to cultural issues? Can we have that? Give, for instance, the uh, which would probably be our springboard type of scenario. Jesus called for two particular men. He called one who was called in Matthew chapter 10. He was in the list of apostles. He was called Simon the Canaanite. But in other portions of scripture, he's also called Simon the Zealot. And right. he is, uh, as far as customs is, is concerned, the men who knew and wrote about him was he was a, a revolutionary, a man who was concerned about the Roman hierarchy of his day. He was concerned about who was going to overthrow them and take back their country. And we as right. citizens and patriots today, we can see that happening with the overbearing and overshadowing umbrella of the government. And I am a patriot. I love my land. I love my country, but I am not in favor of what is our government should and has become. And yeah. All of our founding fathers believed in small government and big people. Nowadays, we've handed the baton over to them, and instead of our voice being heard, it's their voice that is silencing the majority. So I can kind of relate to Simon the Zealot, and if you're a patriot as well, understanding what his uh, situation was. Jesus grew up in that situation. The Roman Empire was its strongest and sort of tapering out in that last century or two by the time Jesus came on the scene. But then he also saved a young man by the name of Levi the Publican, named there in that same same chapter, Matthew That's 10. Right. Um, he was known as the publican or a tax collector. And he was one I'd like to kind of refer to and kind of parallel was what we call today's rhinos. One who is Republican in a name only. They they are red coat. They wear the red coat and have a blue heart. They are the Mitt Romneys, the John McCains, and the John Roberts of today's society as of t- 2020. Their whole agenda is to, of course, gain the, the appeasement and the favor of their side and their political party and at the same time as 
because uh, they're in they're in the back pocket of somebody else. So as uh, as somebody who would be a zealot or a person who's concerned about the nature of his country would be very volatile and vi- and have this vitriol toward Levi. Yeah. And uh, but Jesus, I can see him standing in the middle, taking neither party nor side nor political status. Jesus didn't come to be political, although his message was disruptive on the political on the political scale. Those that were kings were very afraid of him. Even at his birth, they were afraid that some king would take their take their position and take their throne and their authority, and they were scared of that. So Jesus, of course, was a threat, but he came to preach the gospel and to save that which was lost. He came to die. He didn't come to rule the first time. The second time is a different story. So we, we see Jesus. I can see Jesus standing in the middle, and we hear we come with this common ground, Jesus standing on the common ground, and we have these men here who is a right and is a left, uh, supposedly, and we true. see both men come to Christ. I believe that's that's the nature of any any salvation story that we have to leave. Uh, yeah. Scripture talks about leaving father and mother, but of course, that can you can add political stance and political position. I agree. Yeah, I think I, I would I say agree. that that's the biggest thing for them, too, is um, they were a zealot, and he was a publican. I think it's important to note the keyword and the past tense there they were. Right. I think uh, once they were saved and they became disciples, I think that they dropped their uh, political preferences or views and they just accepted a biblical view, yeah. which is what Christians are supposed to have, truthfully. I've told many people, I think the Republicans, a lot of them are just as corrupt as the Democrats are. Um, but it's really, you really, in my opinion, you have to ask the questions of what does the Bible say about issues for me when i vote most times it's which candidate most closely aligns to the the issues that i see yeah you know the thing with um simon the zealot and matthew levi the publican uh you know the the two of them at one point would have been sworn enemies you know there's no question about that because uh simon the zealot was a political assassin uh an insurrectionist you know my understanding of his biography is he was part of the sicarii which was that band of men who were well known for political assassinations, and they would assassinate Roman centurions, uh, ranking members. They would assassinate. They would assassinate politicians. You know, even people of the Sanhedrin and stuff who had compromised their their nationality. So Simon the Zealot was an outrageous man. Uh, one of the pr- people that would have been on his list would have been a tax gatherer. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. He would have targeted Matthew pub- the uh, Matthew Levi the publican. Uh, he would have been close to the top of Simon the Zealot's list. But they're chosen by God. They're placed on this ministry team side by side together, maybe even on occasion paired together as ministry partners. We don't know. And so that tells me two things. You know, it tells me, first of all, God can save anybody. He can save a Democrat. He can save a Republican. He can save a conservative. He can save a liberal. He can save an insurrectionist. He can save a a mild-mannered person. God can save anybody, number one. The second thing is that somebody who is saved is entitled to affiliation with the ministry, affiliation with the church, you know? And so, you know, down through the years, I've, I've gone to church with Democratic brothers and sisters whom I have thoroughly disagreed with when it came to their vote, when it came to their stance or the stance of their party, at least. And uh, most of the time, you know, we, we just had to ignore those things if we were going to get along, you know? Uh, I rem- Jesse, you remember um, years and years ago, we had a friend 
friend, his name was Billy Gardner. And Billy was a devout Democrat. I mean, just an absolute devout Democrat. And I used to, you know, just, just try to argue with him about these things and say, how could you vote for the abortion agenda? How could you vote for gun control? How could you vote for gay rights? You know, and, and the same thing exists in my heart today. You know, there are people who went online and posted their support for Joe Biden. These are people that at one time I would have called a brother or sister in the Lord. And you know what I want to do? I want to grab them around the neck and say, you know, you're voting to defund the police. You're voting to, to uh, you know, to have late term abortions. You're voting for the, the pro homosexual agenda, so on and so forth. And, and so uh, I have to really kind of dismiss some of those things out of my mind because these people are in many cases devout Christians. Even if I am skeptical of that, that nevertheless is not something that I'm permitted to sit in the seat of judgment on. So can we serve with them? Sometimes it's difficult and there's stressful. People, there, uh, there's people on both sides of the spectrum. There are some that are Democrats that are okay with all, or maybe they're not okay with that. Uh, maybe that would be a misrepresentation of them to say they're okay with abortion, but they don't see too big of an issue with it to vote for the Republican. Uh, but at the same time, I know people that um, are so far on the other side that they actually believe that and it's a debate to be had. It's funny you mentioned it at the beginning, but there are people that debate whether or not you should get vaccinations uh, because right. one of the things they use in that is parts of an aborted baby yeah. uh, to make the vaccination. So, oh, I wow. mean, there's debates to be had on both sides. And, and I think the biggest thing for me personally, what I do, I'm personally, you guys both know me, I'm the type of guy I like to tease and pick with people. Uh, but one thing I, I've always made sure of is I don't bring politics to church. No. Uh, because... No, that's one thing that can really cause some problems. Now, with my dad, oh yeah, I'll I'll t- I'll pick on him all the time. Uh, and, and for the record, my dad is hardcore. He was a Trumper through and through. I mean, make great uh, make America great again. He has all the signs up. Trump train. And then my father-in-law was a Biden supporter. Complete opposite. And he's a hardcore Democrat. Yeah. And, and it's actually interesting. You can get them two to sit down in the same room and they'll talk about politics and completely disagree, but never get hostile, which I right. think is very interesting. But it is. I think the big thing is you have to realize, uh, hey, Pastor, you've mentioned it time and time again <laughs> to, to vote for Trump almost, you know, had to go get drunk to do it. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. it's not something I was excited to do. Yeah. Um, well, if you look at this thing from a moral standpoint, you know, almost everything got turned on its head when Trump ran for office because we had all of these believers, you know, that were coming forward and they're on the Trump train and they're supporting Trump and so on and so forth. And the point that I wanted to make was, wait a minute, okay, we have two really anti-typical candidates here. Uh, well, the former president, Barack Obama, who is a man of color, but he's been married one time. He has two daughters from that relationship and uh, people normally look at the black culture and they find that as shocking. They find that as a surprise. But looking at the white candidate, he's been married like three times, four times, cheated on the first wife, cheated on the second wife, had children with each in each relationship. And so everything kind of got turned on its head at the, during this political cycle. When it went from Obama into the, you know, then the, the candidates were Trump and Clinton. And uh, I feel, you know, much the same way. I was actually in Galilee when the election cycle started in 2016. And there were people there who were just diehard Trump 
fans. I mean, they were just absolutely beating the Trump drum. And uh, one of the guys that we were with, he, he spoke up and he said, I don't see how anyone can claim to be a Christian and vote for Hillary Clinton. That's what he said, you know, which is a strong statement, a very, very loud and, and strong statement to make. So somebody sitting at the table, this was at supper in Galilee one night, and somebody sitting at the table said, well, I don't understand how anybody can claim to be a Christian and vote for Trump. And the argument began, and I basically just had to, you know, leave the table because it was going to be a pointless argument with no winners. And I didn't want to waste my time really getting involved in all of that. So, you know, there are differences in the church, uh, but we're not talking about like Ford and Chevrolet or Coke or Pepsi or whatever, you know, we're talking about major differences here. And so the only political statement that I made that I can recall this election season was that in my opinion, there was only one way to vote that would honor God. And the reason I said that was because, you know, voting Democratic this year, now not in years past, there's times when you could vote for Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter had morals, you know, and he had standards. He was a diehard Democrat, but he still was a decent person. But this year, the the issue became, you know, I mean, even the Catholic Church will not give communion to Joe Biden because he's pro-choice. And so that for me became a major, a major conflict of conscience, you know, so that was where my stand was. But, you know, standing up and saying, you're not even a Christian if you voted Democrat, I don't think we have the liberty to say that. No. Which, for the record, the Catholic Church is way more liberal than what our church is. I mean, they are super liberal on their stuff. I mean, they didn't, didn't the Pope just say same-sex marriages are okay now, I think is the most recent thing that he said. He's been really kind of milquetoast on that. You know, I'm not sure if he's come out and said it was okay to do it, but I, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe he has, but I know that on other social issues, he's just really been, you know, really been left wing. But I mean, I think that, that that tells you a lot if he's they're not willing to give communion That's to huge. him. I mean, Cardinal Dolan, Cardinal Dolan, the red top cardinal of of the of the district in New York, uh, he has been vocal. You know that they that the Catholic Church is not going to offer communion to people who uh, who are um, pro-choice. They're just not going to do it. Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington D.C., Mark Devers Church, they actually have it in their documents that you cannot be a member of their church and be pro-choice. You cannot be a member in good standing. Wow! And that is in Washington, and they have members of their church that are in Congress. So that's a strong stand. That's a very very strong, an admirable stand. I think uh, you know the protection of life. But that's the issue for me. The economy is debate. The you know there's a lot of other things that you know take it or leave it whatever but uh, when it comes to the pro-choice pro-life issue you know I think there's only one way to honor God and that is to be pro-life nowadays as far as standard of funding a a candidate it's nationalism and populism with this new you know, with this new guy with Trump and then of course with Biden he's really riding the coattail of his his predecessor so yeah. There's a there's not much to go by as far as integrity. There's yeah. no even though Trump has some sort of has a background in finances. He graduated there in New York with masters. We when we understand we understand extensive with a, somewhat of an extensive order of his background. But there is nothing solid when it comes to a lifelong example of something we can no. trust as far as integrity. See, so, and no. here's the thing, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, and y'all can uh, interject if y'all'd like to. But my thing is this, and it's kind of what you. Said. Said, Pastor, there are things to me. I'll say homosexuality. I am against homosexuality. I, I think.
think the Bible is very clear on that. But I, I also do realize that homosexuality in the Bible is a sexual sin, just as vile as any other sexual sin. Sure. So for me, when I look at it, I look at it at that caveat that it is a sexual sin, but to me, it is just as bad as adultery sure, and just yes. as bad as fornication, yeah. you know, lasciviousness, and you can name all of it. It's just as bad. Heterosexual sins. Yeah. It's yep. just as bad as heterosexual sins. But for me, uh, the choice of pro-life and pro-choice, that's not something that the Bible is. No, no. Like, because you're, it, it, you're doesn't, it doesn't equate that to anything else, I no. guess is what I'm trying to say. No. So like for me, people be like, well, you're a Christian and you say you voted for Trump and he's okay with same-sex marriages. It's like, I know he is. Yeah. Uh, but, but to me, that's a sexual sin. That is something that it's just as bad as any other heterosexual sin. And Correct. that's where I stand on that. But the issue of pro-life pro-choice is an issue that that is a very clear biblical issue yeah. uh, that i can take a stand on yeah i agree i, I mean there's the murder issue there you know yeah. these these babies are uh, are basically uh, their lives are being ended before they even have a chance to begin you know, so we don't know what they're going to turn out to be or, or do. They, I mean, they, they, there's people who, uh, you know, who say, well, you know, if, if we'd believed in abortion back in the, in the, uh, you know, the turn of the century, you know, maybe if Hitler had been avoided, we could have, or if, if Hitler had been aborted. That's the biggest one is Hitler's yeah. mom wanted yeah. an abortion. If Hitler's mom would have aborted him, you know, we would have had a, a whole, a, a much more peaceful century. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no way to know, you know, exactly. This is all worked out of the mind of God. We have to trust that. But, you know, the pro-life, pro-choice issue is, is is for me one of the deal breakers. Yeah. That that is my biggest thing. And, and actually, the other the two things that are always mentioned by people that are pro-choice to me is the Hitler one and, and then the next one that's always mentioned is the rape case. Is right. well what if she gets pregnant from rape? Right. And, and and the person that I believe, uh, you could probably find the video out there, Ben Shapiro debated that at a college with someone. Mm-hmm. And he gave the number. It was like 0.015% of all abortions are rape-related. Rape right. And he asked the person, he's like, do you think the m- minority bothers you that much that it justifies all abortions or are you just using it as an excuse? And the person looked at him and she's like, well, I'm just using it as an excuse. I think abortion should be allowed. And that's how a lot of people are. They find these very minute cases that are hard for you to stand against. I mean, what do you say? You just got raped. It's your fault, you know? And that's what they try to make you look like. But in reality, they're using a very, very small... Extreme case. Minority... Or, or to justify all abortions. Yeah, or in the same thing, we can use the argument, of course, violent crime of police toward minorities. Very low cases. Right. More white. <clears throat> excuse me. More white people are killed by police. Statistically, that's true. And of course, what gets blasted on the fake media, the mainstream media, or the legacy media? It is, of course, the smaller cases, and they get the bigger voice because they get they, they have an agenda. These I have not, news. These are not journalists. They're they're activists. I have. Yeah. It's uh that that one really really bothers me on uh, the the race issue and that's just because i have uh, several good friends of mine that are african-american and i i love them to death and the problem with this and, and if you get someone that's willing to sit down and listen uh, they, they'll understand this is if you talk by numbers more white people are killed than black people that is true Right. But if you talk by percentages, more black people are killed than white people by percentage compared to population. Correct. Which I I looked that up and I was like, well, they are correct on that. But the other thing that they don't admit is the minority, which I think African-Americans make up less than half. It's like over a third, I think, but less than a half of our population. They're responsible for over almost two thirds of all violent crimes. Right. And that's where the issue comes in. That's a very... 
statistic they discussion. always yeah. they want to skip is yes minorities are responsible for or they are more by percentage african-american deaths by police officers but the black on black crime and the black on white crime and the violent crime ratios are heavily skewed Right. on that side and that's where it's it's sad and the problem is is i can't remember who i was talking to but someone mentioned and they mentioned the slavery you know they were talking about joe biden and they said the thing is though if you're a christian you have to believe in the tribulation and you have to believe for these things to happen in fact it was actually a teacher in our school she said if you believe in all of this then you have to understand that that has to be set up before the antichrist comes on sure so we have to start to see and I hate it and I don't I wish I wasn't a part of it but this forming of a one world government yep. and stuff like that I mean it's very obvious you, you're going to see this play out because we have to get to the point to where Antichrist can start to yeah. step on the scene I agree and I think that you know when you also compare that with the the promise that is in scripture that there's going to be a tree in which we're going to partake of the fruit of the fruit of that tree is going to be for the healing of the nations the leaves and the fruit of that tree are going to be for the healing of the nations I think the indication there is that the the wounded nation has to be at its worst when Christ comes and gives the healing. Otherwise, he would not receive maximum glory for the for the heroic accomplishments that he's going to bring. And uh, I think it has to get worse. I mean, that's what every prophetic writer said in the scripture, that in the last days, it's going to get worse and worse. And that's exactly, I think, where yeah, we are. Yeah, the Bible are. says perilous times will come. That's exactly right. Lovers of their own selves, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers. And that's all, all of America. If that's you, it. If you go down the list that's, that's america it. hey that's all of social media if you and ever it, wanted a verse that blasts social media that's it lovers of themselves boasters proud disobedient to parents unthankful unholy and that is all just on parade on social media yeah it's frightening so we'll conclude that with sort of our topic kind of wrapping it up can we hold hands or can we find common ground yes on the basis of what jesus or where jesus stood which is on the gospel uh simon the zealot had to, to move his position he had to realize that Jesus and the gospel message were more important than his agenda. His point is a position and so did Levi. Levi had to leave where he was at. Leave the money. Leave the uh, the prestige, probably the women, probably the entertainment. Even though he, he pretty much had a party with his friends that night after he got saved and invited Jesus. Jesus went to that party. I'm pretty sure he didn't have the most acquaint and respectable of friends, but still Jesus That's was right. there. And Jesus still attended. And, and Jesus still attended, yet he didn't compromise or uh, become uh, tainted by any of that but still he's he held a position and allowed those that he has called to respond to a common ground i think the key is and like we said time and time again when you walk through those doors you have to leave all political preferences aside you can't come in and not want to speak to someone because they're a democrat yeah well what good is that going to do you know i mean if okay look i could spend the rest of this year we don't have a whole lot of time left in this year i could spend the rest of this year preaching and beating the political drum all year long through the whole month of what's left in November and December. I could continuously do that. And I'm telling you this, I would be sick of it before the year ends. I would be sick of it, of my own preaching. And so the church is just not the platform or the theater for political agendas. It just isn't. You know, so you have to check that at the door and avoid those conversations and avoid the temptations to dive into that stuff. When it's moral, it's moral. You know, the abortion issue is a moral issue. The alcohol issue is a moral issue. Prostitution is a moral issue. 
drugs are a moral issue. So those things are moral. Those things are, are it's, the church is qualified to speak on those things. But this other political stuff, you know, endorsement of candidates and so on and so forth, we don't have that liberty. Mm-mm. Thank you, uh, listener, for joining with us. If you have any questions, if you have any uh, comments or concerns, visit us on our website at brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Also visit us on our previous podcast, which we've already uploaded. Most of our uh, podcasts will be on the mo- major platforms. You will find uh, podcasts available. Thank you, dear friend. God bless you. Have a great day.